Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. And these episodes are designed to help you see that ordinary people like my guests and I are having extraordinary experiences. And these experiences are not unique to us. They are for every single one of us. You don't have to be a, a uh, an author of a book. You don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be any somebody special to receive the alignment that humanity is receiving. It may not look like everybody is getting it at the same time, but it is happening. And I am so excited um, to have some of you already on here. Thank you all so much for, for joining us. So today's, today's guest is somebody super, super special to me, and her name is India Lee, and she came to one of my Power of Awareness uh, workshops. This is about, we were trying to calculate when it was about 11 years ago, and I had the pleasure of meeting her then, and through life circumstances, we stayed in touch for a couple of years, and then we lost touch and reconnected recently, so it's a lot of fun to catch up with somebody whose life I've not been observing and then all of a sudden see the amazing shift that has transpired. So you're gonna love this guest. So India, thank you so much for joining me. Thank so you. grateful to have you here. I am so grateful and it is so amazing to reconnect with you in this way. It's just mind blowing. <laughs> it is, it's, we're gonna have a lot of fun. And um, let's just jump in because I know the audience always loves to hear really what what was it that got you started on this spiritual journey? Because if there's one thing that I have noticed is that the patterns are very, very clear with everybody. There is a very specific process that we go through although it looks totally different for every person. And the process basically is we're unconscious, we're unaware, we're living lives thinking that this physical material world is all there is. And then all of a sudden, something happens that has us begin to tap into the unseen world, tap into the non-physical realm that even people like Einstein um, taught that is, is there, whatever there's a power out there. When did that begin to happen for you? Well, for me, it was definitely in stages that were years apart and with so many, so much in between. But um, it started, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s, so this was back in my 20s, and I was in the world of journalism and newspapers and magazines and really, really got my goodies, you know, my, my, <laughs> my yummy stuff from, like, the approval of doing, like, oh, I hit a deadline, and oh, I did this, and yeah, I'm good at this, and I could do it, and, like, just really, really that kind of physical world validation. Of, I am good at this. I can achieve this until my um, late 20s when I started or maybe early 30s when I started realizing that my body was telling me everything wasn't OK. <laughs> I was starting to get horrible, you know, pains in my stomach, horrible headaches and just my body going, hey, this is not working for me. You know, I was working like all the time. I was making those deadlines. That was really my priority. And that was what I defined myself by. That was what told me I was doing okay in life was that, hey, I could show you this, I'm making more and more money. And so, but my body was just telling me otherwise. So it became, and, and feeling so stressed and just not knowing why. And through that, I discovered um, yoga and meditating. And this was, you know, back in the nineties um, before it was really, really in vogue to do that. So um, started doing that and then, Notice that I felt better as I shifted my work towards stuff that, that made me feel good, like, let me write about yoga. 
let me write about meditation. Let me, you know, if I'm going to do this work, let me do it in a way in this area that I'm interested in. So then start um, editing a magazine all about self-improvement. And that's when I came into contact with you, took the power of awareness workshop and was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is, this is where I'm being drawn because by that point, I was um, wanting to have a baby. That was not happening. And the doctors were all like, well, I, there's really no reason that that wouldn't happen. We don't know. Like, sorry, you know, <laughs> there were no procedures that could be done to fix it. And there was absolutely no remedy. So that told me again, this is me. I'm doing this. You know, my body is just letting me know that things aren't right and that, the, that I'm missing something. And so and thank God I had, you know, the um, awareness to know that that was somehow in me, you know, and so I just had to go digging. So power of awareness helped me a lot because that was my first sort of um, connection with someone who really could show me that more that I knew was there, but I didn't know how to get to. So, you know, the more of like, wow, the stuff that I'm hearing within myself really is real. And the stuff of the physical world that everybody else seems concerned about might not be as important as, you know, they're making it out to be. And sort of recalibrating to get back in touch with that real pure essence of me. So then years went by. I left the journalism profession because I did realize that was stressing me out, stressing my body out. And I started doing things more on a freelance level. Started because I did want to become a mom. I did realize, oh, if I want to be a mother, I have to live right now as if I'm a mother. So I have to start taking care of me. I have to start working in a way that would make sense for a child. And, you know, the, the life I was living wasn't in congruent, wasn't congruent with that. So started working full um, freelance and um, that, you know, gave me some ease to have that flexibility. And I still found, however, that it wasn't those other people and their deadlines that were stressing me out. It was me <laughs> and my deadlines. I was the drill sergeant. I was the one who was like, things have to, because even if I didn't have all those I found a way to impose them on myself. So that was yeah. like, it's kind of that, like the, the call is coming from inside the house. You know, it was like that. Oh no, <laughs> they weren't my problem at all. I'm my problem. I was the one that was stressing me out all the time. And that's when I realized I was going to do that no matter what. So yeah. that was when it was like, Ooh, what part of me is that? That's going to do that to me no matter what. Cause I don't really want to be at that person's mercy anymore. And then the trouble is that by that point, of course, you surrounded yourself with people who that's what they know of you. So then, well, wait a minute. You're the deadline person. You're the person that cares about these details. You're the one that stresses out. You're the one we can count on to do that. So as you change that, people kind of go, well, who are you now? And you're like, I don't know. So, <laughs> of course, that that period of time of the I don't know, you know, lasted for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, well, oh, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, well, I can totally relate because in power of awareness, the the main essence of the teachings is that we have two voices and you're you're displaying them perfectly. There is a voice that wants to slow down and prepare to be a mom. And then there's the voice that's the drill sergeant. So the drill sergeant is our ego, our ego voices, our conditioned voice is what we've been taught is what we're supposed to to do. But that voice of our soul is the one that is always leading us towards our our joy. Um, so here you are getting the voice or the call from inside the house is like a horror movie, right. you know, because, you know, 
the bad person is not outside, they're inside, but you don't know where are they. Um, so yes, totally, completely. I, I relate to that because it's what I've noticed is the same thing for everybody. We begin to desire something, but we still, you know, the mind is trained into um, reacting and, and repeating because that's what reacting is. We're reenacting the same thing that we've done in the past. And it truly is like a horror movie because the more you try to sort of break up with that that version of you, the angrier it gets. And that ego will be like, you can't get away from me. You need me. I'll show you that you need me. And just, you know, kind of try to scare you into not walking away from that way of being. So I have found in the journey, and we'll talk about this more when we get to the guidance and all that. But, um, you know, it does help to kind of find ways to soothe that ego, to give that ego things to do that it can be good at and not just try to shut it out. Because that's the problem when we get in too much kind of power, uh, power, positive thinking mentality where it's like, I'm going to yeah. bulldoze my way over this ego. It just doesn't work because it is inside you. And, yeah. uh, you know, that that little voice is not going anywhere. But we can quiet it. We can give it, you know, things to work with. And we can definitely turn up the part that smells that. Absolutely. And I, you know, one of the things that I'm a teacher of the Course in Miracles because I'm a student of it. And I've, I've come to understand the ego in a really powerful, profound way. And there is a time when it does dissolve. However, until that happens, we do have to work with it. And I, I, I don't know if you remember Power of Awareness has been so long, but I like to have people uh, make ego your amigo. Because just as we would when we're spying on on a, on a spy, let's say a Russian spy or some spy from a different country, we have to be friended. We have to make it our amigo. We've got to find out what it's talking about, what it's doing. Where does it go to eat? Where does it go to shop so that we can go, you know, catch it? Yeah. Um, and yes, there is a process of understanding what it's saying, because if you don't sit back and become the presence of awareness that is aware of that voice in your head, you think you are that voice. Yeah. And as long as you think you are that drill sergeant, there is no undoing what you think you are. There has to be a an, a, an awareness of it to see it and then begin to shift those thoughts. What were some of the thoughts that you heard predominantly? Oh, gosh. You mean the ego thoughts? And yeah. I have come now to think of uh, my work partner, Jen Huber, and I with Arrow of Light Healing. We talk about the, that ego being sort of like a big attack dog that was trained to take out threats. You know, so so back then when I was stressing myself out and going, I have to get this done in time or they're not going to think I'm doing a good job. And if I'm not doing a good job, I'm not valuable. Um, the, that attack dog would come in and it looked like headaches. It looked like stomach pains. So it's important to recognize now that, you know, that attack dog that, that the ego, you know, we're talking about is, is, was, and is, and will always try to help. You know, it is, it does think it's doing a good job because it was like, oh, she's having to deal with the stress. I'm going to take her out with a headache. It's like a big attack dog that will just, you know, pounce on you, pounce on anybody because it thinks it's doing its job. So that back then my ego that was making me sick thought that, you know, that was the flip side of the ego voice that was saying you need to do, do, do. Because the problem is that that ego doesn't really know how to take care of us or have any interest in taking care of us in a real, you know, substantial lasting way. That ego just wants to survive kind of like an animal, you know, so it's very primal of like, you know, 
eat or be eaten. And, you know, do, so it was like, achieve now, you know, now I'm going to get you. Like it was just very, very fight or flight all the time. So the voices were, um, you know, I have to get approval from others through my work or, or just through, you know, everyone that looks at me needs to be going, you know, you're doing good, you're doing good. Or I don't know what my worth is. Because if people aren't doing that, then how do I know, you know, if I'm doing a good job? And, and then it's the, even the, the voice that tells you that doing a good job is sort of your worth. Because underneath that is, well, why can't I just like be? <laughs> yeah, that, that ego voice definitely is is part of our of our human side. And and it is what is designed to protect our physical well-being, um, our survival, as you said. But it is what blocks us from accessing our divine side, our eternal side that doesn't have to be afraid of of anything that doesn't have to survive because it's eternal. So that distinction, that that division that gets created is what the ego becomes. It's the barrier to access to our eternal um, invulnerable self. And it's that that voice, that repetitive voice that we pick up when we're little, you know, and even though things as as loving as a parent wanting to help you figure things out and doing things for you turns into an e egoic voice. So I can't do anything by myself. Okay. Um, or the parent that doesn't help you, that ego voice says, well, then I'm gonna have to do everything all by myself. So that voice, because it is something that we're not aware of. I know when I parented my, my first child, completely unconscious, I wasn't aware that there was a voice in her head that was picking up what I was saying and creating a survival mechanism that was actually blocking her from find her own true inner voice, her own true power. Is that what you were experiencing as you're hearing these voices telling you, yes, you got to perform to get approval or, you know, whatever it might have been telling you? Yes. And now that I am a mother, like you're saying, it is a challenge to consciously not pass along that, you know, desire for the approval, the, de the desire for the goodies. And it's harder than it seems, even when you're aware, because you just are programmed. Oh, you know, a child naturally wants, yay, yay, yay. You know, and it's very, very hard not to just um, create that habit. And I will say, even as a, you know, self-proclaimed conscious parent, whatever, every single day I'm catching myself, you know, giving him the unconscious stuff. And the best I can do in those situations is go, okay, let's let's look at this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about how we're feeling. Let's do anything but just do it because it's what you're supposed to do or because of what it, we're programmed to do. You know, even if it's a lot of admitting like, hey, I don't really um, know. Let's, what do you think? Like a lot of really working with him instead of being like, I'm the parent, you're the child, you know, you, you take what I give you kind of thing. So, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that, that's a very important thing about conscious parenting is that we, I, I had to realize with my first child, because she's eight years older than my second child, birth child, and we adopted one closer to our, our second child in age. But in, in, when I was parenting unconsciously, it was about me protecting her body. My my survival mechanism, my egoic mind was unaware of my eternal nature. So everything was centered around survival of her body. Mm -hmm. 
which is why when she was born, I was concerned about 10 toes and 10 fingers, not about, can I see her aura? Can I see her divine essence? I didn't even know that there was aura and divine essence and a soul there that I should have been um, acknowledging. But that that need to protect your child becomes so destructive in so many ways because it doesn't allow the voice of that eternal, that knowingness, that powerful self to be acknowledged, number one, and secondly, to be strengthened, to be used as our guidance system, our intuitive guidance system that I know I got trained out of when I was a little girl. And I, I did some of that with my first uh, child, but then my second child, I'm becoming a conscious parent. And I realize parenting is not to the body, it's to the soul. I'm going to help them, you know, take care of the body, but that's not the priority. The priority has to be that guidance, tapping into that intuitive voice. How, how is that working with you and with Ryder? Well, and Ryder is five years old now, yeah, right? He's five and... The, and he is my, you know, my human spirit guide. I mean, he leads me in so many ways. And everything you just said, I would add to it that a huge part of parenting is acknowledging that, you know, yes, they're a soul, they're a divine being. And we are two souls who've been brought together in this lifetime to be on the path together and guide each other. You know, yeah. we're conditioned from way back to think that kids are a lump of clay, that you're then you know, given and supposed to mold into a person. And, you know, it's nothing like that. We're, we're, he was my, you know, guide before he was even born and, um, you know, backing up a little. So what happened after uh, wanting to become a mom and lining with becoming a mom, my body still was uh, not, you know, it was still telling me it wasn't ready that I wasn't ready. And until I really aligned with welcoming that other soul in that, that soul was just looking at me going, mm, I don't think so. I don't, it was like, if you look at a place you're going to move and it's like, there's no walls, there's no plumbing. There's it's like, mm -mm, no, no. So finally, when I got all that stuff in and was like, okay, I am ready. I am a mother. You know, my child's coming in one way or another. Uh, then became pregnant with a child who did not make it through the pregnancy. That child I began to experience as a spirit guide and experienced very profoundly through the loss of that child, you know, her just moving me through all that resistance to loss, to fear of failure, to fear of, you know, not being able to do it right. Um, you know, she moved me through all of that by showing me the worst that, that could go and just holding my hand and taking me through that. So once that happened, because, you know, my um, child self and my pure self needs to confront those worst case scenarios because in my experience of life, it was always, oh, you just need to avoid those worst case scenarios. So for me, it's like, well, my journey is, no, we got to go all the way to them and through them to see that they don't have power. So, exactly. so then she was a guide who made way for her brother, who, who's writer, who was able to come through, um, you know, and, and he, he looked at me and said, okay, she's ready, you know, I think. So then he came through and, um, you know, right away has been a guide because in his being born, it was, you know, I had uh, waited all this time or been prepared all this time, was now in my 40s. And, you know, one would think a human conditioned person would expect that you'd just be like, oh, I'm ready. Let's have this lovely motherhood childhood experience. And it was nothing like that. It was, <laughs> it was me sort of looking at him paralyzed in fear and going, Oh no, everyone, I was wrong. No, we were wrong. I can't do this. I'm overwhelmed. I have no idea. I'm not equipped. 
you know, I'm emotionally overwhelmed. I'm having anxiety. I'm imploding. I mean, just, it was horrible, but you know, inside. And uh, I just felt like there was no way I could do this and realized at that point that uh, I didn't believe because of, you know, my anxiety and everything that kind of had programmed that I didn't believe, I didn't trust me to take care of me. And therefore I didn't trust and believe I could take care of another human. So that overwhelming feeling was what ultimately drove me to what I would call like my biggest awakening and breaking through, which was just, you know, having him as a tiny baby, um, 24 seven, trying to figure out how to make that work in, in my psyche. And, um, you know, talking to God and doing um, self-hypnosis and doing anything I could do to get my anxious mind under control. Because thanks to the previous decade, I did know that my mind was doing something to me that was not real. You know, I did know that I, this, I technically can handle this. It's just my mind is getting, getting me in the way. So um, a lot of self-hypnosis, a lot of, um, you know, meditation. And really, for me, it was listening to meditations and hypnosis because I was holding this child, so I just had to put something in my ears and kind of go there. Um, and you know, then God brought me a child who who wasn't sleeping, who was very, very, you know, needing a lot. So it was all to bring me to that point of having to ask for divine help, of having to say, "I can't do this. Please help me," and just be brought to the absolute limits of my human self. You know. For no external reason, anyone would look and go, you have everything you need, what is going on? But it was all internal, again, coming from inside the house. So once I was able to go, okay, God, I my resources aren't gonna be able to do this. Um, please show me then this huge, you know, what you hear about, like, whoa, like a huge awakening happened where I literally began to feel tingles in my body um, all through my body at different times, which were signifying spirit talking to me, spirit guiding me. And then I would hear things coming out of my mouth for other people with those tingles, other moms, people around me, messages would come through that were not from my brain that, that would come with the tingles. And that let me know like, oh, something's happening here. This is direct connection with spirit. And I mean, spirit was letting me know in a very real way, I'm here with you. And doing it right now, just like, thank you, a little knuckle bump from spirit. Like, I still get the spirit chills when I do readings. I still get the spirit chills when I talk about spirit. You know, all through my body, that electricity is spirit going, yes, I'm here. What you're saying is good. Keep saying it. This is the message I want to get out. So that direct experience of spirit yeah. was what carried me, you know, into the next phase, which was me coming into my power, me coming into knowing like, wow, yeah, this is overwhelming, but guess what? It's not on me to just do it myself. I have tons of help. Yeah, my human resources do have a limit. And then there's so much more beyond that. Thank God they have a limit. I think yeah. God, that, sorry, I, I just thank God all the time that I was so fragile because I really, I really have always been kind of a fragile person as far as, you know, I, I'm not a marathon runner. I'm not someone who, you know, is a heavy hitter intellectually. I'm just like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. It's just, it's just, I don't see myself as like an Olympic, Olympic, you know, athlete in any way or any capacity. It's just, I have a frailness that I realize is my gift because it's because of that fragility and sort of easily brokenness that I was able to allow God to come in and show me now you can't, you can't break me. You can't knock me down because it's not me. It's the divine. 
Yeah, you know, you, you've said so many wonderful things. I want to touch on a couple of them before we we move forward because where where you've brought us to is so powerful. I just want to share something you were talking about your your first pregnancy, how it was preparing you. It was moving you through some fears to get you ready for this this the second pregnancy, which is your son Ryder, and. It's really important that we insert in here that there is so much help that is unseen to us, that is always there. <clears throat> it's never not there. Yeah. One of the, the big healing experiences that I had in my life was I said, you know, my, my children, birth children are eight years apart. So between Lauren and Spencer, we tried many, many times, had three um, losses, you know, whether it was uh, miscarriages or tubal pregnancy or whatever. And I was feeling like I was such a bad person. I, I also had had an abortion uh, a long time ago and prior to that. And I felt like this bad person that was being uh, punished. Mm -hmm. And when I finally did get pregnant with Spencer, it was such an amazing thing because I was feeling this this guilt that maybe, you know, I should not have aborted that child. I could have had this baby sooner. So all those losses were punishment for what I had done. And what is so amazing is that Spencer had to be exactly eight years apart um, from Lauren because of the lessons that came to me exactly when both of them were 14 years old. So Lauren at 14 started uh, going down a path of, of uh, depression and cutting and, and I really did not know what to do with a suicidal child. Well, eight years later, I'm moving through my spiritual awakening. I'm hearing so much guidance like you. I was, be, I, I had been basically broken open. I went from Oh my gosh, I've got it all figured out to, I don't know, I don't know anything. And then all of a sudden I'm being infused with this incredible guidance that allowed me to be able to move through everything that was happening like you to let go of fears and discover my invulnerability, uh, my power, my, my uh, eternalness. You know what? One of the guidances that I received was when Spencer started doing drugs at 14 and it began to become a journey that I knew maybe the day was going to come that he was going to overdose and I wasn't going to see him again. And I had a, a moment of being brought to my knees and stilled. And I was told, you know, that baby that you had the abortion, that's Spencer. That's the soul that wasn't ready to come. You were not ready. It was very clear. You, Lina, were not ready for that soul then because you needed eight years to prepare you to face your fear of death. And Spencer's the one who's going to take you to the brink of it. Yeah. So you think you caused his death by aborting him? No, you actually participated in what was necessary for you to let go of the guilt of death and accept the truth of our eternalness. Now, I'm not saying that this is the case for everybody that has had an abortion. I, I don't know that. I only know what's true for me or guidance that I'm received that I receive for other people. But in the moment that I received that guidance, I knew Spencer was here 
to help me really understand my eternalness. And when I accepted that he was at that other child coming in, mm -hmm. I knew he was my teacher. And he is, like your son is for you, my guru for the rest of my life. And now he's, you know, just turned 23 years old. So four years of drugs and four years of not knowing if he was going to make it were um, four years of preparing me to come deeper to God, to come deeper into my eternalness so that I could let go of the fear of his death and begin to embrace the love of his life. Right. How can I be present and love the life that is before me and let go of my need to control, my need to protect me, which was all egoic, my fears. I didn't want to have fears. Yeah. Um, so I needed to control him. Instead, it was like, no, I'm going to trust God to guide me on how to be with this being that is as powerful as I am, just because he happens to be chronologically, you know, what, 30 some odd years younger, he is at a soul level. We're the same age. If yeah. not, actually, he, he's this older soul because he really came here to help me. So tell me, how do you feel with Ryder when you're talking about Ryder being your teacher? What are some of the lessons that he has helped you um, discover? Well, first of all, I just want to honor what you just said because it's so beautiful. Um, and as parents, um, and if we even think about our own parents, I, we are the first ones to bring this consciousness to the planet that, you know, children and parents are souls on journeys together. And that it's very important as parents to honor and release our children to their soul journey. And that soul journey may include things that are very, very difficult for us to endure as parents. You know, yeah, it's difficult to endure a child going down, you know, so, you know physically dangerous and, and, and difficult and all those things. But, you know, we, we as parents are really bringing um, this consciousness to the planet now that the more we can honor that and trust that, you know, God is in, in control of their journey as well as ours. It's not all about, did we fail? Did we do well? You know, it's not a performance report for us of what they're doing in their lives. It's their soul journey. We have no idea what, you know, karmic things they've brought into this lifetime. We have no idea what um, soul contracts they've agreed to. We have no idea what they and God have worked out for their path. Yeah. And let me add in here. One of the, the biggest things that parents have to work through is that we think that we are in control of our children's lives. We think we know what is best for them. Yeah. And that is so arrogant and yeah. so ignorant. I know I felt it for me. Right. Understanding that, like you just said, God has a path through every single one of us. It is expressing itself uniquely, and we don't understand what karmic um, things we're working through. God knows I've had past lives where I've had to go um, to the past to experience things that were helping me understand why in this in this lifetime I was experiencing what, what I was experiencing. Yeah. But we have got to get really clear that as parents, if we think we know better, we're actually letting our egos attempt to block what wants to move through those children and what will happen is we 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 may very well participate in the delaying of their awakening by our need to control out of our own egoic fears right so i'm glad that you're bringing that up because it's so necessary that we understand that they come through us but they're not ours <laughs> yes. 
and you're so right. It is an arrogance. It's an arrogance that we're conditioned to have because we're conditioned that this is the role of the parent. Yeah. And we all experience it on the side of being a child and having parents. And you know that you can be 50, 60, 70 years old and still feel that kind of issue with your own parents. Of, yeah. You know, you regress. You yeah. get around them and you regress. Yeah. And you feel you're, you're disappointing them or you're somehow, you know, not, not doing right as their child. You know, maybe you're not a good reflection of them and all of these ego things that come in no matter how old we are. And it's really difficult. And that does lead to another aspect of the child parent journey, which is the journey of your inner child, because that, you know, that inner child within us um, that is that pure essence that came into this world and then at whatever age you started becoming more human um, than spirit maybe that was four or five you know maybe it was three but somewhere around there where you started really being a, a, becoming aware of your human essence more and becoming sort of conditioned that that's more important yeah that's the point at which our inner children um, do get abandoned or rejected to some extent that we don't realize till much much later uh, and then we can we attract in patterns that continue to reinforce that abandonment and rejection until we realize and come to the point where we're ready to step up as guardians of those inner children who are still in there. There's still a little four year old, five year old in there, you know, a little four year old, five year old version of you in there. Um, and if we do not step up as the guardian of that child, then those other voices that abandon and neglect that child or, or perceived to continue to to terrorize and not take very good care of that child. Yeah. Once you do become that guardian of your own inner child and you're checking in with, you know, little India, little whoever you are every day, many times going, what do you need? What can I do for you? Are you feeling okay? How do you feel? Really getting in touch with that. Then you are automatically a better parent for your actual children. You're automatically more loving to everyone around you. Because if you're, you can be the most super mom in the world, you know, you can be the one who's always there for your children and always doing everything for them. But if you're not doing that, doing some version of loving care for your inner child, then you're passing along those wounds. Yeah, and that, that is such an important thing to highlight because when we are little and that split happens, because and it happens to everybody, the, the two aspects begin to split, that ego, that egoic sense of self begins to get really solidified and it's always about survival and survival also comes not only from the physical body but i better do what you need me to do mom and dad or caretakers because survival feels like i'm loved mm -hmm. and when we begin to then seek that love and that approval from somebody else and we no longer do what we want to do, we are no longer in touch with our our joys, our passions, the thing that makes us happy, that like you were saying, that inner child that to me, I call it our, our Christ consciousness, that that aspect of ourselves that is here to express uniquely as the soul that every single one of us is and has when we lose touch, conscious touch with that, it does not go away. It requires that we then become our own conscious parent and our children are the ones who begin to activate that little happy child inside that, that we lost touch with. If we're not present to that, we will do everything within our power as an unconscious parent to squelch, 
our child's happiness because their happiness becomes a painful reminder of our lack of happiness. And that is something that's really uncomfortable for parents to understand. I know it was for me because I really thought with my daughter that I knew what was best for her to make her happy. And it was to turn her into this little super achiever performer so that one day she could be somebody and say, look, I've done my life right. All the while squelching that happy little kid that was inside that just wanted to be because it knew that that's all that it is. As a soul, it just wants to be. It wants to do what it wants to do, not to get validation, but because it wants to be what it is, because that is its its purpose on the planet, is to bring its own sacred self and express it. So your point to we have to parent ourselves is is huge point and so necessary. Yeah. But we can't learn to parent ourselves until we become we become aware that we're trying to control our children and that's really hard to see. Exactly. And we have to parent ourselves first. We have to we have to do that before we can, you know, do it. so it's like first thing every day you have to check in and before you can engage, you know, other elsewhere. Um, or you will start to become, like you said, resentful, bitter, you know, wanting to begrudge your children the very things you're trying to give them because you're not giving them to yourself. So it's really, really difficult. Let's offer a little um, some suggestions here yeah. for parents who may be watching this. So what were ways that you knew to do to parent yourself so that you could align with your inner child? Um, what are some examples? I would love to give give people some shortcuts because the ways that I learned were extremely <laughs> difficult, painful, and like, I don't want to have to go all the way there. Yeah. So, so shortcut, I would say in every, in any moment, in every moment, stop and go, is what I'm thinking, feeling, or doing feeling good to me? Does it feel good? Because that's what you would do with a child. If a child, if you noticed a child was uncomfortable and I'm getting all the spirituals with this too. If you notice the child is uncomfortable, if you're noticing they're just acting, you go, are you feeling okay? You know, do you need anything? Do we need to do something different? You know, do you want to talk about what this is making you feel? And you need to do the same thing with you, you know, many times a day, as many times as it get, as it takes to get comfortable with it. Um, you know, do, does this feel good right now? If you're at work and you're like, well, no, I don't like doing this. Okay, then just talk to your child about it. What do you not like about it? What might help you right now? Would it help you to, you know, get a snack? Would it help you to go breathe a little bit? Just nurturing yourself like that. You are going to notice immediately such a difference in so many ways. First, you just feel better immediately. Second, spirit comes in and goes, yes, she's doing it and gives you this huge gift, this wave, this confirmation, whatever it is. So you'll notice when you start tuning in with you, all of a sudden other people will go, do you need anything? Hey, you know what? Why don't you take tomorrow off or whatever? It will happen. Yeah, it, it has definitely a ripple effect. One of the things that I wasn't able to do with Lauren, again, because she was older and I was totally an unconscious parent, is I, I wasn't in touch with how I felt. Um, so therefore, I could not help her be in touch with how she felt. But with with the boys, I would ask them, are, are Yes. Do you want like they would come home from from school and with Lauren, she had to get her homework done. And if she finished you know, when she finished her homework, if it got done in time to meet my expectations of, you know, the right way of doing it, the controlling parent, then she could go play. And the play was restricted. It was controlled as well. 
But with the boys, I did it differently. It was like, well, what do you want to do now that you got home from school? You know, you've got homework to do and you want you got play you want to do. Well, we want to go play. Okay, is that is that what feels good? Yeah. They would go get their play done and then they had the energy, they had the stamina, they had been honored to let themselves do what felt intuitively guided in the moment. And then they could come in and do the homework. Did they do that all the time? No. Many times they would forget about the homework. Um, and then that had its own consequences. We, I, I would just let them go. Okay, today you chose not to get the homework done. You played too late. Now we're having dinner. Now you got to get to bed. You got to get your rest. You know, still a little level of, of control. And then little by little, they began to realize oh, so if I want to pass this grade, then there's homework that I've got to get done and there's play that I want to participate in. They began to self-regulate. Something began to happen inside that allowed them to be more mindful about what they were doing. And now they were doing things because they wanted to do them, not because they had to do them for mom. It took some adjustment for me to, to allow my kids to tell me what they wanted because I, too, was beginning to learn that I needed to also do what I wanted. I discovered that I participated in so many activities because I thought I had to. I was the member of the women's club in the neighborhood because I wanted to be liked. I participated in being the captain of the tennis team because I wanted people to see how good I was. And little by little, I began to ask myself the same question. Do I feel like doing this? Is this going to be fun and easy for me to do? If it's not, I began to let it go. If for my kids, it wasn't fun and easy, we began to let it go. Right. Right. And at the very and doing that for yourself as well, like when there are things that we quote have to do that we can't escape or when we're in pain or just it's not going to be fun right now, at least nurturing ourselves in that moment and being like, how can I be there for myself in, the, in this moment? How can I make it better for myself? Even if that thing is just saying, help me to the divine, saying, I'm out of resources. I don't know what to do. Please help. me." That's loving to yourself. It is. It's very loving. It was very loving to me to find out why am I doing this? What is it that I believe that I'm getting from somebody else that I can't give to myself? And that was a big part of my journey, tapping into source, yeah. tapping into the wholeness and the love that was in me. I couldn't feel the love that was in me because I was looking for it outside of myself, for the validation outside of myself. I wasn't present to helping my kids tap into that in them because I was controlling them to make me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about you've, you're feeling and tapping into this guidance. Yeah. What was that like for you? Because I was receiving guidance too, and I would love to hear what, what did that feel like and what was that experience like for you? <laughs> well, it, <laughs> I don't, I don't think there's anything it felt like because it's its own, it's its own um, experience, but the best way I could describe it is um, that I did come into a new sense. So it's like if you could suddenly see when you couldn't see before, what would that be like? Well, you wouldn't be able to describe it, but you certainly would know. Like, so that was what it was like because I, I was receiving suddenly through this kind of, you know, dark night of the soul and then seeing a little bit of a spark of a light going toward that. I was receiving messages for others. And this is how spirit was using me to come into this new part of myself by um, because I am a communicator, because I am someone who um, that speaks to me. Spirit used me to uh, I'd be talking to someone and, you know, some piece of guidance or, hey, are you have you been feeling this or dealing with this? And they would be like, 
yes. And like, you know, well, maybe this and sort of, it sort of sounds like advice, but you're offering it in a way that it's like, I don't know where this is coming from because you don't. And then that person would be like, whoa, how did you know that that has been helping me? And then that's when it becomes, became a that this is spirit. And then what happened with me um, is I was watching a lot of um, tarot readings and card readings because what was happening, you find those on YouTube and you watch them. And I was resonating with them, which, you know, when you see a reading and that and spirit kind of guides you to not kind of spirit guides you to what readings are intended for you, you receive a message through them and you know what that feels like, whether it's someone watching this video right now and going, wow, that message resonated with me or you find something like a, a reading or something out there where you're like, whoa, I don't know how this works, but spirit is speaking to me. And um, so that I began to discover through tarot readings and they were speaking to me and giving me messages I needed. And then I um, was like, wow, I think I'm going to explore that. So I, I bought my own deck and I started just um, sitting there by myself on my bathroom floor, which was my sacred place, my bathroom floor. That was just where I would just talk to God and, you know, lay there and cry or do whatever I needed to do. And I just sat there one night with that new deck and I just started doing this. I just started moving the cards around and I asked spirit, you know, please tell me, please tell me what I need to know. Um, I asked spirit to, you know, just give me the guidance I needed. And I'm not holding this deck right now. I should be, but it's the Archangel um, guidance deck. And as I was holding that and shuffling the cards, the card came out that says, you know what to do. <laughs> and it was Archangel Uriel. And I was like, I, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Please tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. So I tried again. I was like, I didn't do that right. Let me try again. So the card came out again. You know what to do. Out of the whole deck of cards, that card came out again. You know what to do. And so I was like, whoa, what is happening? <laughs> So I put the car back and I shuffled some more and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time, you know what to do came out. So at that point I was feeling the spirit chills. I was crying. I was literally saying to spirit, how are you doing this? Because it was the same card over and over and over. And, over. and then I realized, okay, this is the message for me. You know what to do. And I started feeling into that. And I was like, oh, this is spirit telling me that I'm being shown within myself. To, you know, follow my intuition. I know what to do in every moment. What are they telling me to do? What is spirit telling me to do? What are the guides telling me to do? Yeah. So that's, that's how I clicked with the cards. And then from there, it just became very clear. And, and again, um, spirit used the moms around me as my practice, you know, my wonderful practice guinea pigs to be like, can I do these cards for you? And then the messages would come through for them. And then the spirit energy was just flowing through and it just grew from there because there's something spirit does with me. Yeah. That, with the images that, you know, that's how spirit speaks to me. It's called divination. And that can happen with cards or many other tools, you know? Well, for me, it happened. Um, I, I started hearing the guidance and for me, it showed up as the voice of Jesus and it wasn't a voice talking to me. It was a knowingness. I could feel it. I could sense it. I would get chills. I would see lights around my eyes and I began to receive, um, guidance i was literally being told what to do how to deal with something how to how to process things primarily it was how to process the fears the things that were coming up in my mind and i was being shown my ego i was being shown okay that's your ego voice that's your soul voice that's your ego voice until it just became so clear mm -hmm. 
And then I was told that I was going to start teaching, that I was going to start coaching. And one day I was guided to, you're going to write this workshop down. And I literally sat down and the entire power of awareness was written uh, through me. It was it all straight through you. Wow. Totally straight through me. And that was, that was in the spring of 2007. And, you know, I've been teaching it since then. And it has not changed because the truths that were revealed to me to share with others were the truths that I needed to, to go through. I needed to understand how my mind worked. Um, I needed to realize that I was not the thoughts that I had been indoctrinated to believe that I was. So I literally had to do a total and complete overhaul of my mind. And that's when I knew I, I am being shown something here. I am being guided because I would share this stuff with other people and they thought I was crazy. What do you mean you can shift your thoughts? What do you mean fears are not real? What do you mean you have a divine soul that you're that Jesus is talking to you? It was pretty funny because some of my friends that were my Christian friends, um, it's almost like they were being insulted that I was talking to Jesus and I had to stop sharing that because it was... It, it was really confronting. Um, and then I, now I understand why um, it's just, just what happens. Yeah. It was messages for me yeah. and I stay in my lane. I teach power of awareness. I help people understand, become aware of their ego and their soul and know the distinction between the two so that they can make a choice between, are they going to live from love or fear? Um, but you do it through the cards. That's how your teachings come through is through your cards. Share some examples of how your work has impacted people. Because I know for me, I now after 12, 13 years of teaching, I watch people like you that gain awareness from what I was teaching. So many clients that, that I've known thousands over the years, their lives have transformed because yeah. they have been renewing their minds they're understanding the ego they don't react to the voices in their head they have aligned with the voice of their heart how are your cards helping people those readings thank you well the the most important thing that happens in the readings and, and my favorite type of reading is the ones where i am connecting with someone who is doing that type of thing for the first time because you know cards they're, they're kind of they're kind of a fun prop. You know, they're kind of one of those things that everybody's like, ooh, intrigued by. They have pretty pictures. And of course we have all the lore that goes with tarot. And it's it's very it can kind of draw people in that way, in a way where it's like, it's fun. It's fun. And it's like, oh, let's just see. And so it's kind of non-threatening in a nice way. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a nice non-threatening way to kind of like come over here. Maybe you don't know you're about to receive a profound spirit medicine. <laughs> like, you know, it's just gonna be fun. And so when somebody is very very what they call skeptical or um, you know just like I don't believe in these things, but I'm gonna try it. And then I'm doing the reading, and spirit is letting them know because the most powerful thing spirit does with the cards is let that person know I'm with you. I know exactly what you're dealing with. And here's what I would guide you with to deal with that situation next. When that person feels that and they can have the, the toughest, most stoic poker face or just be like, you know, no, no. But when I feel that energy coming through, I know like, oh, it's resonating. So I can look at someone and I love doing this. I can look at someone and be like, you're not, you're not showing me this is resonating, but I know it is because I'm feeling the energy. And that's a very wonderful feeling because it's like, 
you know, I'm just the messenger passing along to you something very concrete, very personal. The other thing spirit does is spirit will say things in a way that that, that particularly speaks to that person, personality wise, the way they need to hear it, maybe a phrase that's very key to them. And I don't have any idea about that. So it's, it's very, very beautiful to see the ways that spirit uses me and the cards to establish that direct connection. Because going back to what you said about the church and about kind of established religion and how that can be, this can be threatening to that. What, what I've been shown that spirit is doing now and wanting us to move into is spirit wants to communicate with each of us directly, all of us, you know, not just some of us, but wants for all of us to feel that direct relationship and experience. Yes. Yeah. So I am and you are, you know, facilitators for that, because if they can experience a message coming through in an undeniable way, you know, through a reading or whatever, I go, wow, that was real. I don't know what that was, but that was real. Then that's the first step toward, you know, just like my you know what to do card experience. That's the first step toward going, OK, I am receiving messages. How else can I receive messages? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love that. I love that you're saying that because uh, in my courses, in my classes, in my coaching, it's the same thing. There is something that is happening when I'm in that space. There is a channeling that is happening through me and I can address somebody. And it's just amazing. The words that they need to hear come out. I, I don't I don't have to prepare. Uh, all I have to do is get out of the way. I know how to do that. I know how to move my egoic mind out of the way and allow guidance to come through but the shifts that people feel because they change their perception they hear something that their mind in that habitual hamster wheel you know it's like einstein said you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it it's because we are repeating the same crap that is in our mind and it's not going to give us a different result but then through through whether it's channeling through me and I see John Stringer is saying he's loving this conversation. He channels also. So he knows what we're talking about. But when that message comes through us for that other person, my gosh, it's like witnessing for me. It's like witnessing a rebirth in front of my eyes over and over. And over. I, I don't get tired of watching the the energetic shift that happens because that person's um, energy totally completely aligns with source with their truth yeah even if it's for just a little while long enough for them to know oh my gosh this feels like home I've come yeah. home yeah. I'm tapping into my source yeah. and you get that all the time because you know you're doing it very deliberately very personal every time you do a, a reading well it's, and it's funny because you know even when you do do it all the time as you know we're still human so we still do get in our blocked mind sometimes and sometimes you can still feel disconnected from spirit at moments and for me the readings are also a gift because every time I do a reading with someone and I experience that guidance for them even if I'm in a stuck place or a difficult place then spirit can speak to me through that reading and it just is such a it's sort of like you know in the bible when it does say where there are two or more gathered in my name you know it's like when we're connecting and we're kind of seeing and feeling that together it's like wow okay that's the power. It's hard when you're just by yourself. But when that's totally, totally. When I began to uh, be guided to teach and I was a realtor, I didn't know about teaching. I didn't. And I was told I was going to become a coach. I didn't know about coaching, but I'm listening to this voice telling me what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. And I became 
I fell in love with with the messages that was coming through me because exactly what you said, it became one of those things that I would on a regular regular basis. It was like, oh, what came out of my mouth? Note to self, note to self, note to self. It was for me. And I became so committed to to share because I was so clear that I wanted to receive. And I started studying A Course in Miracles about six years ago. And one of the seven years ago, one of the things that became so clear, the course says you teach what you want to learn. And I realized, oh, my gosh, no wonder I am so committed leaving my cushy career as a realtor, walking away from marriages, walking away from from stability because I was stepping in faith to that. No, this is my path. I'm supposed to teach this. Um, I'm supposed to share it. I was learning what was saving me from my own ego. It was freeing me. So yeah. I, I love hearing you say that. And, and John is saying is so true because it is. This is a process that is that is awakening each of us. That's why we do it because we love what is happening to us and to whoever's ready to receive. Yeah. And that's a key thing. If they're not ready to receive, obviously, they're not going to have that that same experience but if you're ready to receive there's so much coming <laughs> so much and i would just add um also because we are seeing the mirroring in, in the messages we're receiving for others they are for us and when we start embracing the mirroring that's happened i mean let's just even if you're not talking about hearing messages directly from spirit just in conversations with people every single interaction you have no matter what your level of consciousness awareness or receiving guidance is is giving you a message. Every single person is handing you a note about you every single time. So if you're in a situation where you're having friction with someone or you're so frustrated, why are they like this? They are giving you a message about you and that's where your power is. To exactly. go, the message is giving me about me. That is where your power is. So anytime you see yourself focusing on that other person, it's very important to turn that around. That's That person is a spirit guide for you, whether they know it or not. Absolutely. And, you know, you and I had talked about um, earlier before we went on air that we wanted to have a conversation about how these messages are giving us uh, the big picture, because you and I have received information about the whole of what's going on and why it's happening the way it's happening. So we're going to have to schedule another time because we're, we're almost at the top of the hour. Hi, this is like an hour. I know. But to kind of end on on what you just said. Yes. Everybody is our mirror because at the end of the day, there's only one energy here expressing itself in 8 billion ways. And what a powerful, wonderful experience when you get to the place that you are emotionally mature enough to receive that irritation as an invitation to see what's going on inside of you, to receive that that knowingness of, oh, wow, that what a kind, loving person as a reminder that's me too. So we got to take it both ways. Um, it is a mirror of our, our soul, our love, and it is a mirror of our fears. But since we are about to wrap up, tell people how they can find you because obviously here through Facebook, they can find you right away. But through the podcast, um, how can they best contact you? Thank you. I first, I'm so honored that you've had me on and I want to thank you and thank spirit for aligning us with this and everyone who's watched and listened. Thank you so much. And 
Um, I would love to connect with anyone afterwards at indialee.com, which is I-N-D-I-A-L-E-I-G-H.com. And um, from there, you can access the other site where I was talking about before, Arrow of Light Healing, which is um, with Jen Huber, who's a shamanic guide, and she does, has other gifts, and we work together with some sessions, too, so you can see both of those. Yeah, so if people come to you, they can schedule a, a private reading, and I know you do readings at other places around town, mm -hmm. um, so there's lots of ways here in the metro Atlanta area for people to reach you, but then you can also do this, um, what, like via Skype or over the phone, so they don't have to be in Atlanta to see you. Absolutely. Yeah. Around the world. Don't you love technology? Speaking yeah. of technology, I, I am so grateful that we are here in this time and age and that everything is just so perfectly done because the more of us that are ready to wake up, the technology has just made it easier and easier for those of us who are here to assist in the awakening of others as others assisted in ours. We can connect um, through so many different ways. But India, thank you for many things obviously for being here and sharing your wisdom but i want to thank you because watching you go through the struggles that you went through when you were wanting to get pregnant when you were frustrated that your body wasn't working and you were not fully aware um of that you were just in school you were just learning what those blocks were you persevered and i i want to honor that because this journey is not an easy journey and it is a journey that rewards us so incredibly. So I, I absolutely know that your relationship with your son, Ryder, is not only going to be more magnificent than any, has been already more magnificent than anything that you can imagine, but it will continue to be that and it'll bless you and him and the world because you were willing to say yes to awakening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for aligning with your truth. So I'm, I want to give you a chance to just say the last thing that you might want to say to folks and then I will wrap us up. Oh, I just want to say thank you. I say thank you for that. Um, and thank you to spirit. And just for each person that is listening, just know that you're, you are surrounded, supported and in every single moment, given everything you need by spirit. And if you do want to come into your own gifts to connect directly, Tell Spirit that, and you'll be surprised what opens up. Just, hey, I'd like to connect with you directly. I'd like to hear messages. Tell Spirit that, because you'll be amazed at what happens after that. I just got chills on that, so yeah, do it. <laughs> it, it, it is amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. So we will, you and I will get together and reschedule another uh, conversation, because there is so much more that we want to share with you guys, um, but we only have an hour, and mm -hmm. we're mindful of that so thank you all for joining us next week for the the next episode of align with lina i have lenore scurry and that is an amazing woman who also like india like myself like so many of you listening committed to doing the work of finding her inner voice finding that christ consciousness that buddha nature that inner child and brought that part of herself out as she chipped away at all of the things that she was believing that were just not true about who she is so that's going to be a lot of fun and um as always, thank you all. And remember, if India and I can awaken, so can you. This is for anybody who wants it. But you got to want it and stay committed. All right, everybody. You are magnificent. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.